Good morning. Come on now. Who's excited to be here this morning? Make a little bit of noise. Can we, can we just take a moment here in both of our locations and give it for our amazing worship team? Don't they do amazing every single week? We love you guys. Thank you, Pastor Trevor, and all that you do. And Caleb there and Grayson, thank you so much. Uh, well, if this is your first time or first time in a long time, welcome to Barrel Life Church. We're so glad you're here. And uh, in fact, the person sitting beside you is so glad uh, that you're here. So look at him and said, uh, thanks for letting me sit beside you this morning. Go ahead. Both, come on, tell him. Say, thanks for letting me sit beside you. Look back at him and says, you're welcome. Don't take me out to eat after church. Go ahead. Come on. Trying to get you fed here this morning. Well, we want to take a moment and we want to welcome our Grayson campus. We love you guys. Thank you so much. We got something really exciting next week uh, uh, just as we celebrate that that next week is our one-year anniversary for our Grayson campus and God has done amazing amazing work in that region and you know it's it's you know when, when we launched here uh, the Moorhead campus uh, 12 years ago we're going to be celebrating our 12-year anniversary they're going to be celebrating their one-year anniversary the statistics show that usually nine out of ten churches fail within their first year when they plan and to see what God has done already in year one, I'm telling you what, the best is yet to come. And we're really excited because this is a year, uh, as we're still in the infancy stages of building, we're going to be launching our middle school and high school ministry right there in Grayson. So, man, I am so stoked about that. And also want to welcome everybody watching online. Thank you for tuning in all over the world for being part of what God is doing right here in Moorhead, Kentucky. Now, this series we're in called Seek, I, I hope the Lord has been using it in your life. I know he really has been teaching me uh, uh, some things about prayer and focusing on him as well. And seek means to desire for something or to look for something. Like how many of you lost something before and you really, really went after it looking for it, right? You've lost something before. Okay, only five of us. That's okay. But anyway, I, I know that you've lost your keys. You know, you, you lost your phone. You know, it's so funny. You know, you might leave your Bible here at the church and, and you don't miss it. Nobody calls and asks, hey, can we get in the building to get my Bible? But you leave your phone here, bro, you're going to be here 6 a.m. What's up? I got to get in. I left my phone at church, right? My, my son this morning, uh, my, one of my middle sons, Logan, he, he, he was like, someone took my Apple watch someone took my apple watch you remember the slogan someone took someone moved my apple watch i had it on charge this morning he's like you know he goes like caleb you know jake you, you say to you, who took dad you got my watch on and all of a sudden he goes oh it's on my wrist after you lose your religion and then you realize oh my goodness it's sitting right here in front of me well to seek something is you desire it which means you want it but then you look for it you know, you go after and you and you look for what that is that you're looking for. And so if we're going to seek after Jesus, if we're going to follow Jesus, which is the theme for this year of really seeking after him, then we need to desire him and we need to seek after him and follow what is every single day. Anybody can do this. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know everything that's about the Bible. You get up every day saying, God, I desire your will to be done in my life today, no matter what that may be. And I'm going to look for you moving around me. Every one of you can do that. And I hope that you've been praying that and seeking what God has for you. So the first week we talked about how do we get in position to do that? Because the reality is I believe in your heart you want to do that, even in my heart, but there's things that hold us back from really pursuing after and following after Jesus. We talked about maybe it's our comfort zone. I just want to get uncomfortable. None of us wants to get uncomfortable, right? None of us want to get uncomfortable and have the conversation trying to witness to our coworker, to a student in the locker room, uh, or to wherever you may be. No one wants to get that uncomfortable. But sometimes our comfort will hinder us from really seeking after Jesus. For some of us, it's our priorities. 
let's just face it, we don't got our priorities in line. And when your priorities get out of whack, you really don't seek after or don't follow after Jesus. For some of us, it's our plans. We make all the plans we want, and then we ask God to sprinkle a little bit of blessing on our plans and ask God to bless us. So we have to get in position by removing some of that, maybe our priorities and our plans. And, and I was, there's nothing wrong with having priorities or plans. You should do that. But are they God-directed in your life? But once you get in position, now that I kind of remove all that stuff, what's the posture that God asked me to seek Him in? And when we look through the Scripture, the posture is a posture of prayer, that we really need to commune and talk with our Heavenly Father. And last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Now most of you are very familiar with the Lord's Prayer. You heard the Lord's Prayer and we went through it kind of word for word, verse by verse, and broke that down like what's the model of that prayer? He didn't give us that prayer to pray over and over and over, which is fine if you do that, but there's a model there that He wants us to learn when we pray. But today is, is I want to focus on the promise. What is the promise of prayer? God, listen to me, God promises you he will always answer your prayer. Do you know that? And some are like, really? Because, bro, I've been praying for a long time, right? And he's still, God promises that he will answer your prayer. So once we get in position, once we have the right posture, he promises you he will answer your prayer. And that's what I want to focus on today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Luke chapter 11. Or grab your phone, go to the U version. Luke chapter 11. And if you want the parallel story to this or a similar story, it's what we ran last week, which was Matthew 7. Both of these have the Lord's Prayer in it. We're going to continue. This is kind of part two from last week as we focus on prayer and continue that posture. But we're going to look at again in Luke chapter 11 because there's something that the, the writer Luke adds to the Lord's Prayer in between this. So that we, in between this parable, that if we look at this, we will learn what God really wants us to do when it comes to praying so in Luke chapter 11 here's the background the disciples sat down with Jesus and said listen we want you to teach us something now if you're walking with Jesus and you've been with Jesus and you saw Jesus raise people from the dead you saw Jesus take a few loaves of bread and uh and break it and feed thousands of people you saw Jesus walked on water what would you ask him to teach you to do you would say, could you teach me how do you perform these miraculous signs, these miraculous miracles? Nowhere in recording the scripture do we have where the disciples says, teach us to cast out demons, teach us to walk on waters. But we do have recording right here where the disciple says, would you teach us to pray? You see, John's disciples, John taught them, would you now as we're your disciples, would you teach us? Teach us to pray because there's something remarkable when you connect with your heavenly father. So Jesus teaches them to pray. He says, and we did talk about this last week, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. We want your kingdom to come for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed or sinned against us. Please, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, none of you, all of you, listen, you probably could quote that. You might not know where it is in the Bible, but you've heard that before. You've seen it on a card. You've seen it on a sign. You've seen it in a store, whatever it may be. You might have seen it in Sunday school, but we walked through that last week. So it's on the heels of that. So Jesus just gave them the Lord's prayer, which really is not the Lord's prayer because Jesus don't have to pray, God, forgive me of my debts because he never sinned. This is the disciples prayer. He said, you want to pray? Here's how you guys how you should approach God in a model of prayer. And then he goes on with the parable. Matthew doesn't have this parable in it, but Luke adds this to it. So there's something between it. So here's the parable 
that we're going to look at, and it's found in verse 5. Now, what is a parable? A parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning, has a point, a spiritual point. Parables are given to compare or contrast. A parable is even comparing the story, this is what God is like, or a contrast, this is what God is not like. The parable we're about to look at is a contrasting, saying this, God is not like this. So let's walk through this together. If you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, verse 5. He says, then, remember we just came off the Lord's Prayer. It's found in the Sermon of the Mount. Luke picks it up right here in chapter 11. He comes in here and says, the ser- he says so if you're going to pray, here's a parable. Suppose one of you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and you say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now let's stop. Remember, put yourself in the story. You're chilling. You're minding your business. One of your friends show up from out of town. What's up? Guess what? I'm in town. I'm traveling through. Why didn't you text me? It's the first century. We don't have cell phones. Holla. I'm here, right? Come on. He just appears. There's no telegram. They can't let you know in advance. It's midnight and your boy comes visiting. What's up? Hey, friend, come in. Oh, snap. I have nothing to feed you with. Hang tight. You go over to your neighbor's house. At midnight. But see, isn't this hilarious? Isn't this not hilarious? Put yourself in the story. It's midnight. It's midnight, and you're knocking on your neighbor's door to borrow food to feed your friend who didn't give you a heads up. He was coming through town. See, put yourself in the story. That's the parable. And then what he says in verse 6. The reason he's up late at night, because a friend of mine has stopped here for a while on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, why is this important? Very important. First of all, it's very important because in this culture, uh, hospitality was one of the highest honors. Somebody wants if you if if you, you would lose your dignity, if you were not hospitable to the people around you, especially wandering travelers coming through, especially friends. And so, where a culture of honor of hospitality it runs rampant, you would rather get up, go in shame if you had to. Not that you're shame, but I got I got to go. Wake somebody else up just so you would not lose the honor. Of being hospitable. Can you picture that? I mean, I want you to think about it. So I'm like, hey man, listen, let's wait till the morning. We'll head down to the local market and we'll get you something to eat. No, no, no. I don't want to lose the honor of being hospitable. So I'm going to go and I'm going to, be, I'm going to go over to my neighbor's house because I don't want to lose that dignity. Verse 7. He replied from the inside. Now watch this. Watch this. Don't bother me. <laughs> Can you imagine that? How many think right now, my neighbor, they would shoot me? You know what I'm saying? If you walked over at midnight, right? Right, I mean, knocking on the door. So imagine you knock on the door and then you hear a voice come to the door. Don't bother me. Get away. That's kind of strange, but that's, that's what's going on. The door has already been shut. Now it takes them some time. They shut the door. They lock the door. They put things in front of the door. They don't want nobody to come in on them. And my children and I are in bed and I cannot give or get up and give you anything. Now, first century, one room, one room. That room was a living room, dining room, uh, toy room, laundry room, playroom, guest room, every room, one room. Kids laying on the mat, you're laying on a mat, brother's laying on a mat, probably got a little donkey or sheep laying over here on the mat because if it's cold, you get next to them, you sleep next to the animals to keep you warm, doesn't matter, one room. I don't want to wake up my kids. They're probably already awake by now. I don't want to step over my kids because Johnny gets mad if you bump him in his pillow, right? Come on now. See, put yourself in the story. I'm not getting up to let you in. Because to do that, I got, I got a lot of lamp. I got to wake the family up. I got to get the kids up. I got to get the honey up. And she's cranky if she don't get her asleep. 
I'm serious. Put yourself in the story. I'm not going to answer your request. The answer is no. He says, I can't get up. Verse 8, I tell you, here's the point of the parable. Even though the man inside will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of the first man's sheer persistence. I ain't leaving. You going to get up. I ain't losing my honor. I ain't going down like this. I want some bread, a little bit of honey wheat, some butter if you got it. I ain't going. Watch this. Because of his persistence. His persistence. He will get up and he will give him whatever he needs. Now here's the parable. Jesus is saying, our father in heaven is not like this man. He's not someone you bother. He's not someone that he's, he's annoyed with you. No matter how little the request may be, no matter the time of the request, he is not like this man. However, he wants you to be persistent. God is eager to answer your prayers. The problem is we are not persistent. We are not persistent in asking God to do it. We ask one time, God doesn't do it, we leave it alone. We ask for a little while, God has an answer, so we leave it alone. However, God wants you to be persistent in your prayer life. And if you're not praying, watch this, it's because you've given up. You've given up. You're giving up. And I'm here to tell you this morning, don't give up. So picture this, context, context. Lord's Prayer, teach us to pray. The Lord's Prayer by the way, let me give you an example of praying. God is not like the man in the room. God will eagerly come to the door and he'll open the door because he wants to give you all that you need. Remember, this is connection to the summer on out. Whatever you, don't worry about tomorrow. I'll, I'll fix all your needs. I'll give you all your needs that you need. He's, he's, well, a lot of us have a lot of greeds. He said, I'll give you all that you need. Everything that you need, your supply. Then we pick right back up with Jesus right after that parable. And this is what he says. So I tell you, I'm not like that man, so let me tell you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be open. For you, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks will find, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. So Jesus is reinforcing, I am not like that person, but I want you to be persistent. When you ask and it doesn't come through, you keep seeking. If you seek and it doesn't happen, you keep knocking. I ain't leaving till you come through. That's the point of the parable. That's what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples about praying. See, all of us have no problem asking. We have no problem asking. God, will you? Okay, he hasn't said anything. It's been about a week now. I got to, I prayed for a week. I better give up on that. He wants you to ask, which means this, you expect. When you understand this about God, you can approach him with boldness going, I'm going to expect you are going to answer me. I'm going to expect that you're going to meet all my needs. Why? Not because I'm arrogant, not because I'm faithful. It's because you said so. And I'm putting my, my faith in your words. You said to be persistent. You said for me to ask, and it doesn't matter what I ask, right? Ask, and you will receive. Be expectant to receive it. He says, seek. Seek is a little bit, takes the next step. Seek is like, now I'm, I'm putting action in motion. This is where I'm going to pray with effort. I'm really going to pray. I'm really going to pray. 
So watch this. God, I pray for my coworker that she gets saved and God, that you would use her. Okay, God says, then go share with her. I don't want to seek that far. No, 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 no. Send the preacher. Because I don't know enough about the Bible. God saved them. You ask. Then he says, okay, then I want to use you a part of that. Will you seek me and see if I'm moving and working in their life? Bring up spiritual conversation. There's an effort to it. Keep seeking. I really don't want to seek. Then you really don't want them saved. You see this? You see how you walk through this? And then as you have this effort to go after, knocking just means this, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Some of you have quit. You've prayed and prayed and prayed, and it hasn't fixed. You've prayed and prayed and prayed for a kid to come home. They haven't come home. You quit. You've prayed and prayed and prayed and hoped that your marriage would get fixed, but it hasn't gotten fixed. It hasn't worked out. Speaking of that, we got a marriage night coming up in our relationship series. I'm really super excited about because some of you right now, you think hope is a strategy for your marriage. Hope is not a strategy for your marriage. Habits is a strategy for your marriage. You got to change your habits if you want a healthy marriage. I'm getting ahead. You, gotta, you don't want to miss that one. It's a little commercial break. But here's one that you know about these three verbs. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. They all spell ask if you take the first letter. Ask, seek, knock. That's not what I want to tell you. But here's what I want to tell you. In, this, in the original language, it's in the present tense, which means it's today. And it's a continuous tense, which means it's always. Here's what he's saying. Always ask. Always seek. Always knock. Always be asking. Always be seeking. Always be knocking. Don't you stop. I'm not like the man in the room. I will get up. I will answer prayers. You got to have sheer persistence shameless audacious persistence and i will move on that behalf let me ask this what are you praying about that you've already given up on what have you praying about some of you are praying about mr and mrs Wright. i just need someone in my life i've been praying for my spouse i've been praying i just want to be married i want to be married i guess i'm always going to be single i'm never 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 going to have anybody woe is me you've given up what are you praying about a job. I'm, I'm just. I'm never going to get the job. I'm never going to get the promotion. I'm never going to become the manager. I'm never going to become the boss. I'm never going to find any work. I'm never going to find anything. So I might as well just quit. What have you given up? Maybe it's a salvation for a loved one. I've prayed years and years and years and years and years before God ever answered a prayer. Before years, and finally God, in His timing, answered the prayer. For some of you about school. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with school. I don't know how to do school. I don't know my homework. I got tests and I got no major in. I don't know what I'm going to do there. I don't know if I can pass. I don't know if the ACT is going to be good enough. And you're worried about all this stuff. And, you, and you're just like, well, I just might as well give up. And what happens is you begin to start putting, watch this, all the focus on your knowledge, on yourself, on your own intellect, because you think you can do it. And God's like, where am I at? Depend on me. I got this. I've got a plan for your life. Just trust me. Come to me. Don't be worried about all this stuff. I've got this all figured out. What have you given up on? Maybe it's your finances. I'm always going to be broke. I've been broke. My family's been broke. I'm always going to be broke. I got a broke mindset. I got a scarcity mindset. That's just it. I might as well ask God to bless me because it ain't going to happen because I've got a curse on my family. This is just how it is. It's always been. What have you given up on asking God for? And why would you think God wants you to be persistent? If he wants to get up and open the door, why does he want you to keep seeking? Why does he want you to keep asking? Why does he want you to keep knocking well let me just share this real quick it's on the screen but if you're taking notes i'm gonna share this real quick here's the reason that i believe that god wants you to keep coming after him just keep seeking him here's watch this watch this because one reason it keeps my attention and focused on him 
When I'm asking, seeking, and knocking, my focus is going to be on Him. When, have you ever noticed that when you're in trouble or you have a trial or tribulation in your life, how, how, how much time you spend on your knees praying? You ever notice that? Like, like when there's a bad, when something's going wrong in your life, that's where you give Him your attention. Oh God, I need you now. You know what's the greatest thing you can give someone? Your attention. You know what's the greatest thing I could give my wife? My time, my attention. You know what's the greatest thing I could give my kids? My time, my attention. Because that's something you can never give back. You can give money, they make more money. You can give more money, you can make more money. But you can't make more time. Once you lose time, time's gone. And the greatest thing you could give anyone is your attention. You. What's God want from you? Your attention. Not your gifts. He wants your attention to be focused on. He wants your eyes to be focused on him. Psalms 105 says this. Seek the Lord and his strength that he gives. Seek his presence continually. See, we we only want God's presence when we're in trouble. Oh, someone's sick. Oh, something happened. Oh, it's not working out. Oh, I lost my job. Oh, they broke up with me. Right? We seek God all of a sudden when, when we need him. He said, I want you to seek me in the good times and the bad times and all between times. You come after me. So my question is, how much of your attention is focused on God? You know what else it teaches me when I'm asking, seeking, and knocking? Not only does God get my attention in those times in my life, but watch this. It reveals a lot about me. You want me to tell you how fast? Yeah, you want me to tell you the quickest way to find out like how your character? Start waiting. Start waiting. I don't want to wait. Who wants to wait, right? It teaches me a lot about myself. When I begin to just seek him and ask and knock and not move from that. Because waiting will test you. Waiting will test you. Just just don't let the green light turn fast enough. Get to the doctor's office. The doctor's not here yet. It's going to be two more hours. Right? 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 I'm preaching. Some of you don't have your halos on in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? Right? So, so it's something about, I don't want to, I'm in a hurry. I got to hurry. I got to get in. I got to get out. We don't understand that patience and waiting teaches and shows us and reveals a lot about who we are. In fact, when you wait, you are taking a test. You take a test. In fact, look at the person sitting beside you and tell them this. Say, before ever there's a blessing, there's always a testing. Tell them right now. Before there's a blessing, there's a testing. Tell them. Come on, Grace, and tell them. We all want to be blessed. <laughs> okay, here comes the test. We all want to be blessed. Okay, awesome. I'll bless you, your father says. I'm going to test you. What I'm going to test, here's a couple of tests. One, a heart test. I'm going to test your heart. I'm going to test your heart. Here's, here, here's what, why do you really want this? Ask, seek, knock. Why are you asking this? And, and let's go through. Let's go, let, let, let's go through. God, I want more money. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. Is there anything with having a lot of money? Absolutely not. Is there anything asking God to bless me? I need help in this area of my life. Absolutely not. But God's like this. Why do you want more money? Because God, I find my security in money. I find my identity in money. I find uh, what people think about me in money. Oh, that's why you want it. Uh Uh-oh. There's a heart test. It's a motive test. So when you're looking at your prayers, you got to say, why am I really asking this? Is there anything, God, can I get the job? God, can I become the boss? God, can I get the manager position? Is there anything wrong with that? No. Whatsoever. Let's look at the motives. 
Well, it's because I think less of myself and people will start respecting me if I actually had a title before my name. Oh, wrong motive. Do you see that? Do you see this? There's nothing wrong with the request. It's what's behind the request. He says, ask for whatever. God, give me a million dollars. Really? What's the motive? You see, you can ask anything you want, but what is the motive? What's the heart? God looks at your heart. Come on, man. We have kids. If you have kids, does your kids ask for everything? Mine turns 16. It's like, Dad, I get a sports car, don't I? <laughs> no. I got no shame for asking. Right? Come on. You know this as parents. Don't your kids ask for everything? And you don't get upset. Dad, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? Listen, my kids need to teach this message because they are persistent. Can I have it? Can I get it? Can I get it? Why not? Why not? Why not? Because I said so. Why not smack? You know what I'm saying? Like, See, sometimes we get annoyed with our kids because we keep telling them to know, but they keep being persistent. You know what the scripture says? That's how you should be towards God. Don't miss that. There's nothing wrong with that. God, can I pass this test? God, can I get into school? God, can I do this? God, would you bless? God, would you bring them? God, there's nothing wrong asking your father these great grand requests. But he says, but first, let's test your heart. Why do you even want this? You think your identity is in that, in a title? You think your success is based on your wealth? You think that people like you more because this? Is this what you find in this world? Why would I give you something when your motives are not right? Ask. I'm probably going to pass on that one because you're not ready. I've learned this in my own life. And there's things that I ask for my personal life. There's things I ask for my family that are great and they're grand. And this is how I say, God, but you know my heart. And the Bible says that my heart is wicked and my heart will lie to me. And if my motives are unpure in this request, please show me. Show me. Because God's going to test your heart. You can ask all you want, but reveal the motive behind it. You get to a pure heart. Watch this. Here's what he's saying. You get to a pure heart, you may realize I really don't need that. You get to a pure motive, you might realize I don't need that. James, we're going to talk about James coming up in March, but James says this in James chapter 4. Even when you ask, you don't get it. Watch this. Because your motives are wrong. God said, you get your heart right, man, we're, we're going to walk, rock and roll through this. Psalms 37 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't have time to go and preach. This is another whole sermon. If I delight myself in him, he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. Whatever your heart desires. Because God knows this. If I'm delighted in him, I'm probably not going to be asking for selfish things. Do you see that? It's a heart issue he's going to test your heart here's another test there's a character test there's a character god's going to test your character prayer or lack of prayer will reveal your character when you pray you're saying god i need you when you don't pray you're saying god i don't need you i don't need you i got this when you pray you're saying god i need you and let me tell you something about god he's more interested in your character than your comfort and let me tell you something that God wants you. God wants you to mature. And you know how you mature? Patience. Patience is a sign of maturity, right? Come on, parents. Grow up, son. Quit being so impatient. 
You never thought how we connect so much to God, our Father. We're like, well, I'm doing the same thing to him, you know. Patience. Patience is a sign of maturity. And you learn patience by waiting. By waiting. See, when we pray, we are always looking for an answer. God is always looking for surrender. He just wants you to surrender and trust him. He's going to test your character. He's also going to test your faith. Will I trust him or will I worry? Will I trust him? Because some of you got some big, big prayers right now, and it has nothing to do with selfishly. It's like, God, I need you to blame. save someone. Come through with this, right? Fix this. Help in this. Will I trust him or will I worry about it? See, asking and seeking and knocking will reveal what's really important to me. You know what really reveal, You know what reveals what's most important to you? I'm going to show you right now. What's the most important thing to you right now is this, what you worry about the most. And whatever you worry about the most is the most important thing to you. You worry about money, that's because money is the most important thing to you. You worry about your job, that's because the job is the most important thing to you. You worry about the election this year, it's because that's the most important thing to you. You worry about the economy, that's the most important thing to you. You worry about your health, that's because that's the most important thing that you are focused. You worried about school, oh my gosh, school, 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 school. That's because school is the most important thing to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Will I worry or will I trust him? If we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus t- taught this, right? About the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, Luke and Matthew are paralleling right here. Here's what he says in Matthew 6. So don't worry about these things, the things that you need. What, what you eat, what you drink, or what you wear. These things dominate. This is really just so fast. I wish this is another whole sermon. The things that dominate the thoughts of believers, unbelievers. Here's what he's saying. Unbelievers worry about this because they don't know me. You know me. I'm not the guy in the room that you have to beg and plead with. I am, and look what it says, your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. The Lord taught me this a couple years ago. When I read through all this worry, 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 you know what some of the things came out in Matthew 6? Father, your Father, your Father, your Father, your Father. When you pray, our Father, our Father. And here's what happens. When I worry, I feel abandoned. And when I'm abandoned and I'm alone and I'm a child, I take on this orphan spirit that no one loves me, no one cares for me, no one wants me, so I'll worry about these things. We're no longer orphans anymore. We have been adopted into the family of God. Watch this. He is our heavenly Father who loves us and comforts us, and there's nothing we can ever do to separate us from His love. When I worry, I'm saying this, God, I don't believe that you can come through and fix this for me. God, I don't think you can help me with this. I don't trust you in this area of finances. I don't trust you with my marriage. I don't trust you with my kids. I don't trust you with my health. When I worry, it's a sign of what's most important to you, and you've taken on this orphan spirit that I'm all alone. God, don't care about me. And we know that's not true. Ask, he says. And then watch this in verse 33. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. You see that? If I'm seeking his kingdom, not my kingdom, his kingdom. If I'm living right with him, then I'll give you everything you need. Really, is that simple? Get your heart right. It's so hard to have pure motives, isn't it? Get your heart right. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today has enough troubles 
for today. So here's my question. Will I trust my feelings or will I trust my Heavenly Father? And I'm going to be honest with you because I'm still a work in progress. There are times I put my faith in my feelings. And then the Lord reminds me, you're not an orphan anymore. Don't get abandoned over here alone. Don't isolate yourself. Don't put your trust in your feelings. You put your trust in your Father because I love you. And I'm a work in progress. But here's what I I'm not who I used to be. God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It's a process. I'm okay with the journey. But I don't want to put my faith in my feelings. I want to put my faith in my heavenly Father. In fact, He wants us to trust Him. As a child, trust as your Father. Watch this. He actually says, listen, I want you to be a kid when you pray. Can you, can you imagine that? Some of us were so annoyed when our kids keep asking, 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 asking. He goes, no, no, I, that's what I want you to be. You want to be that annoying kid to keep it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the more you ask, you may realize and your pure motives may come and you'll see your character and it'll test your face. And all of a sudden you'll keep asking. And then one day you'll stop asking for it. Why? Because you know you don't need it. You know it's not good for you. Look what he says. Look what he says. He's going to compare it right here. Keep reading. Verse 11. What father among you, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? Why would you deceive your kid? Fish represents food, which represents life. The snake represents poison, represents death. He said, what father would give death, not life, to their children? I'm going to give you life gifts. I'm going to give you things going to build you up and give you life, not bring you death. The same reason why I'm not going to let you play with that when you're a kid. I'm not going to let you go on the road when you're a kid. I'm not going to drive that when you're a kid. Why? Because I don't want to give you death, something that can hurt you and poison you. I'm your father. I'm going to give you things that builds life. Because I know what's best for you, son. How many of you have your parents? Someday... You'll understand this, son. How many of we said that to our kids? Usually when you're about 25, now it's a little bit older. When you're about 30, you realize, oh my gosh, my parents were right. Who would give their kid bad gifts? Or if your son asks for an egg, you give him a scorpion. You give him something to eat that brings life to him, or you give him something that can poison him and harm him. If you then are evil, you are sinful parents. We all are. We have sin in our life. And you give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? Now, we don't see this in our English translation, but before the Holy Spirit, that definite article, the, the is not there. When the definite article is there, it's talking about the person of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a person. We believe that. When the definite article is gone, it doesn't represent, it's not saying about the person, it's talking about the attributes, the gifts which means the good gifts that God gives us are the spiritual gifts that come from following Him. What do you mean by this? If your heart's right and you're living pure, you don't think that God's going to give you joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. And if you have self-control and faithfulness and gentleness and, and, and you're slow to anger, do you think your request and your persistency would be a little bit different? Your Heavenly Father knows what you do. He's going to give you the gifts of the Spirit. And then you'll realize, oh, I can handle this. Oh, I got this. Oh, God, you, I trust you. But I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep knocking because it keeps my eyes on you. It reveals who I am. And you promised me, God, right here, that you will answer my prayers. Do you see that? God promised me he will answer my prayers. But he will only give me what's best for me. Some of you are praying for things right now that your character can't handle it. 
If God gave you your request that you're praying right now for, he knows that you would probably maybe spin out of control. So that's why you say, God, search my heart, examine my heart. God promised you to answer prayers. I'm going to close with this. How does he answer it? When my request is not right, God will say no. No. If my request is right, but I'm not right, God will say, grow. It's time for you to grow. You need to grow up, son. Good request. I definitely want to pour my blessing now. I want to do this, but you're not ready. You need to grow. If my request is right and my heart is right, but the timing is not right, God's going to say, slow. Slow down. Got to wait. You're right. Request is right. Timing's not right. It's not time. Trust me, I'm your heavenly father. I know. Got to go slow here. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. It's just not timing. But when the request is right, my heart is right, the timing is right, God says, let's go. It's time to go. And he will come through. God will always answer your prayer. No. You got to slow down here. It's not timing. Hey, you know what? You need to do some work in your life first. Well, you know what? It lines up with my will. Let's make it happen. Let's go. It's time to do. He always answer. He just may not answer the way that we want him to answer our prayers. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Two things real quick. First of all, I'm going to ask you if you would just for a moment and bow your heads. We're going to do something a little unique this morning. And that is the first thing is this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you. Give your life to him today. He loves you. All these promises that is talked about are yours when you become adopted into the family of God. Right where you sit, you can cry out to the Lord. You can say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today I ask you to forgive me of my sins as I put my faith and trust in you. And now you become my heavenly father. I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have to put my faith in my feelings anymore because I'm not an orphan anymore. I've been adopted into the family. And if that's you, listen, we want to know both of our campuses. Grayson, if that's you, listen, go out to the next step area. Just in a moment, you're going to have a phone number you can send a text to and say, hey, guess what? It's gave my life to the Lord. We love to send you a link back with some resources. Hey, let's just follow up with that. We're here to help you. That's our mission, help you follow Jesus and experience a better life. Here's my second request. Some of you right now, well, let's face it, all of us right now, we have some big requests we're asking God for. And right in front of you when you came this morning is a card. If you'll get that card, it has seek on it. It's a note card. Probably sitting in your chair. It could be in the front of your chair. I want you right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, you not to put your name on it. I want you to write out what is your big ask question that you've got to ask God for that you need him that you need to keep asking you need to keep seeking you can get knocking now some of you you can fill up the whole page I get that I understand that some of you what is that big one and here's what I'm gonna ask you to do I want you to write it down pretty quickly and then I'm gonna ask you just in a moment our auditorium team is gonna pass a bowl around I just want you to drop it in the bowl because here's what we're gonna do 
We're going to pray over those right now. Your big question, your big seeking, your big, your ask, seek, and not that you need God to come through. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to come through and we're going to pray for those. And then this Wednesday, also at our prayer experience, we're going to bring them up on stage and we're going to pray over them again. And we want to pray for you corporately. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Our worship team is going to continue. They're going to lead us in worship. And then when our usher teams or our auditorium team begin to come, we're just going to stand and we're going to sing and we're going to drop this off in the bowl. Let me pray for you. God, reveal to our hearts our motive. God, reveal the character that you're looking for as we grow. God, as you test our faith, we believe in you. We trust you. You're not like the, the man in the room. You want to eagerly get up and answer our prayers. So Lord, reveal to us what is that big question that we're asking and seeking. It's in your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Better Life Church. If you'd love to discover more about how you can take your next step with Christ, we'd love for you to visit betterlife.church slash next steps. There you will find help and resources for whatever step God has for you. If you enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. You can also join us live on Sundays or find more resources at betterlife.church. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.